Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And we're here to present an award show. theme song is that's all that's all i got (laughs) yep chat is on stream this time yes chat is on stream so erin would you like us to begin i would love to i'm reading the first category right i believe you are as we cover the best singles wrestler Yep, and the nominees for Best Singles Wrestler are John Moxley, Tetsuya Naito, Warhorse, Sunny Kiss, and Orange Cassidy. The runners-up are John Moxley and Orange Cassidy. So before we get into the winner, let's talk about why we chose these two as the runners-up. Because we had a lengthy debate about this. We did. We were up to like midnight the other night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, when we we got our list down to these five, and, you know, from a pure, like, combat violence simulation perspective, John Moxley's, of the five that we've chosen, the clear, the clear winner. Yes. Right? From he's a character... Been... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, he's made such a huge impact this year. In any place he's gone to. No, that's Don Callis. Why did I agree to this? We're not even talking current news. You said impact. I couldn't help it. Ah, uh, that's fair. <laughs> so, I voted originally for Orange Cassidy. Because this is the year, in 2020, that he showed all of the people who doubted his ability, people who said he was just the like one-note comedy act who couldn't actually work, mm-hmm. that he can work. It's the year that he kind of proved things to the haters and developed his character in a way that like really showed off a lot of talent. One of the things... That we kind of thought maybe as part of this was that, like, in a contest of pure wrestling, Moxley would win. In a contest of pure character work, Orange Cassidy would win. So we wanted to find the middle ground between those two extremes. And for that... And the winner is... Tetsuya Naito. Yay! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Naito has had a hell of a year. Starting off back in January when he won both nights of Wrestle Kingdom to become mm-hmm. Intercontinental and Heavyweight IWGP Champion. And carrying that into 
the lockdown months. And then coming out of that with the storyline of evil turning on him and LIJ and everything that that led into. And it, it was the effect, not even just on Naito himself, it was the effect on uh, Hiromu, on Sonata, on Takashi. Wait. I, I can't. Shingo. <laughs> Takashi is Hiromu again. <laughs> but the fact that this was based Hiromu's around... last name is Takahashi. Right. I was right the first time. I'm bad with names. That's why they're all written it's, down. It's okay. It's also Japanese and you don't speak Japanese and all that. So what this did was bring together a group of general people who don't always act like a normal New Japan faction over this rivalry, uh, rivalry of 10, of friends of 10 years. So, and not only that, the matches they put on were wonderful. Right, so they put on world-class matches while telling a world-class story of betrayal. And that's why we had to pick Naito. Yeah. And Aaron, if you ever have to cut a promo in J in Japan, all you have to need to know is Nihongo wa Hanashima-sen desu. <laughs> Means I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> I mean, I think they're going to just assume that of me. <laughs> I will be presenting the next category. The best tagging team. The nominees are... Hangman and Omega. The Young Bucks. Hatfield and McCoy. The Best Friends. And Pretty Proper. The runners-up are... Actually, Aaron, do we want to talk about why we picked each of these teams for the nominees? Ah, uh, sure. I think that's a I worthwhile totally reason. Yeah. Otherwise, so, we're going to breeze through this in like 15 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, Hangman and Omega is a no-brainer just for the incredibly complex story that they told in 2020, right? Yep. Both them and the Young Bucks. Yeah, two different stories that actually converged the intersection and weaving together of these two really distinct and memorable storylines worked really well for them and they couldn't we, we couldn't have a list without them because of that yeah definitely and even still their in-ring work like winning the tag titles in january and defending them through the summer and at no point do you think, well, they shouldn't be tag champions. They're two singles guys. They shouldn't be in this division. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, they flowed really well with each other. Right. They had, like, a really strong chemistry. They worked well until they didn't. Yeah. And part of that was Kenny's ego. <laughs> a lot of that was Kenny's ego. And also Hangman's lack of self-esteem. Yes. And then the same thing goes for the Young Looks. You know, they put on a clinic of how to really, really kick ass this year. How to tag team. How to tag team. And, yeah. you know, they deserve to be on the list. Um, Boomer and Molly, Hatfield and McCoy, 
are some of my favorite wrestlers, partly because they're both adorable dorks, but also <laughs> because, like, you know, the, the tagging that they've done this year has been severely hampered by a lot of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they haven't been able to shine as much as they would have, but, like, having watched them tag for, you know, the Camp Leapfrog episodes events whatever you want to call them they're episodes it's getting episodic now um you know there's the, been three of them the the way that they've been working together in like you know the various promos that they've been doing uh the fact that to, yeah. they have uh, they have matching philadelphia eagles gear now <laughs> which is adorable mm -hmm. completely the fact that Boomer's allowed to swear. Yep. It just, it, it worked really well, and I like the two of them together a lot. Yeah, and you can tell that they really enjoy working together. Mm -hmm. They have that chemistry between them, where regardless of what's happening, they're having fun doing what they want to. Exactly. Speaking of having fun and hanging out with someone who is a really good friend, the best friends are the next on our list. And how can we not put them on the list? They've been a staple through this entire year. The best friends, I think, really kind of with their ability to work. So this this comes down to not to like dunk on the indies by any means, because I love the indies. But like when you wrestle in the indies for as long as Chuck Taylor and Trent have, particularly after also having done like big stuff, you kind of get used to different crowd sizes and making it work in different crowd sizes. And I think the like wealth of experience that Chuck Taylor and Trent brought to the ring in an era where there was no crowd or where the crowd consisted of other AEW talent yep. is something that helped carry the company through the lockdown and made those matches more interesting because when you have the ring charisma and ability to, like, talk in ring like they do, it works really well. Yeah, we, we definitely mentioned before on the show the difference that hearing wrestlers makes in mm -hmm. a show. And that's something that's been really put over on the televised stuff this year. So they, they just naturally do it. They're just loud and they have the things they say and they're witty. And it comes through so well. It is exactly what televised wrestling needed mm -hmm. to make it through a period where everything was kind of a mess. Uh, and then Pretty Proper is probably one of my favorite tag teams to watch. Not just because it's intergender wrestling and intergender wrestling is amazing. Um, the Iconics are no longer a tag team, so they didn't have a great year. They didn't have a great. They year. got hampered a lot. But yeah, so Pretty Proper brings something really unique as part of being an intergender tag team, but also being like shoot married to each other <laughs> and having a pair of adorable dogs. Yes. Um, so, yeah. 
Lady Frost having gotten on a couple of episodes of Dynamite has been really fun to see too. I in or I guess it's dark that she's been on. It's all one thing. It's five hours long. It's fine. It's the five hours <laughs> within the five hours of AEW content, you know, Lady yeah. Frost has been there and she's been working her tail off and it's been really good because she can work. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that it results in them maybe reconsidering again the prospect of having intergender wrestling because they work so well together and they perform so well together and like they bring this realism to the ring and I just like having them around. Yeah. And after Jakara closed down, I had mainly seen them as Red Queen and One Eye Jack. Mm-hmm. So I was so excited when I found them through Twitter again. And it's like, oh, these were the people mm-hmm. doing that. And there's more of them now. Mm-hmm. So I can go back and watch older stuff and I can see the newer stuff and yeah, they just have such amazing chemistry and an amazing arsenal of double team moves. Absolutely. Also, when Lady Frost starts yelling from the side of the ring, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, with all that in mind, the runners up, as Aaron would normally say, Hangman and Page. <laughs> The only one that matters now by the storylines, jeez. And now hold on one second. Are we really going to say that Kenny, the cleaner, Omega doesn't matter to this storyline? Kenny is a coward and a turncoat. And, and a cur and a cad and other things that you might say if you were an 18th century landed noble. Yes. Kenny Omega is wrestling and that's all you need to know kenny omega thinks he's wrestling because he gets told it by a mouthpiece by a mouthpiece who also is wrestling are you telling me that don Callis doesn't know what he's talking about he runs impact when was the last time impact was relevant literally tuesday <laughs> when kenny omega was on it because they hyped it up on aew and before that, the Tuesday before. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> and before that, the Tuesday before. No, because, not really. Because they have two of my favorite women's wrestlers. Okay, that's valid. Like, you can't tell me that having Rosemary and Princess Kimberly is not relevant. That's completely different to Don Callis and Impact being relevant. (laughs) No, because Don Callis made a decision to hire them. Anyway. So, Hangman and Omega here are the runners-up. Which is kind of odd, you'd think. Considering they held the titles most of the year. They had an amazing story, which we talked about. But the real true winners and the winners in our hearts and minds are... The best friends, because one, you've got to give the people what they want. <laughs> and two, I don't think wrestling, particularly AEW, could have survived without them bringing the dynamism that they did, both as singles performers and as a tag team. Like, Trent's match with Kenny Omega was incredible. 
And it's yeah. not something that's going to get talked about a lot in like the major matches. But Trent put on a clinic of how to really put together an excellent match and deserves a lot of credit for that. And Try to keep the, up with a main event performer. Trent's mom. Another good storyline. <laughs> you know, the fact that they also had their major storyline just yoinked. Yep. Because right before right before lockdown, right? They had that rivalry starting with Death Triangle because they punched Trent in the dick, and you don't punch Chuck Taylor's friend in the dick. And then yoink, and they still had to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they were indoors in Georgia, they put in a lot of work there. Yeah. Like like I said when we were doing the original intros, like they they were a staple through this entire year. Not just on like AEW or not just on Dynamite and Dark, but on BTE as well. Mm-hmm. The whole storyline of trying to kill Brandon Cutler. <laughs> Which was a good storyline. So yes, the the I didn't do the envelope thing, but the winner is the best friends. <laughs> okay. Next up. Next, we have the best stable. And our nominees are The Dark Order, The Crucible, Team Taz, 440, who we hate, but it's true, they belong on this list, and LIJ, Los Ingobernables de Japón. So, the Dark Order is on this list for obvious reasons. They've managed to charm just about everyone with their weird sex cult status. Uh, John Silver, in particular, has gotten a lot of people on board just with his weird catchphrases. <laughs> Mustard boy! <laughs> Johnny Hungy! And so on. Uh, but, you know, between becoming the feature of BTE, because like it's barely about the elite anymore. It's basically the Dark Order show. Yep, and they've done a whole 180 from last year. Yes, from being the spooky perverts who nobody wants to the spooky perverts who everyone likes. Yep, the Crucible is another case of a, or is, is I guess a big case of a stable that worked. Really, really, really hard. Yep. And had their storyline kind of nuked from orbit. Like, in a worse way than the best friends did originally. Yeah, the the Crucible is... The, the Crucible storyline was incredible. And, like, having that, particularly at the start of quarantine when Action Arcade was still airing, like, that was a lot of, like normalcy and building up that crucible storyline was really cool and then after chakara went away hearing how they had just scratched the surface of this storyline they had three more years of story for the crucible planned <laughs> which i believe completely and honestly um then next up team taz it's hard to be as on all the time as Ricky Starks is. <laughs> it is. 
He's just always so Ricky Starks. Yeah, he's absolute Ricky Starks. And he keeps up with Taz as well as Excalibur does. Yeah, he's he's perfect as a guest commentary. He's really good in the ring. Cage is a great big man. The addition of Will Hobbs has really rounded the team out in a way that makes yeah. them very, very fun to watch. Um, you know, if I had to pick a team on here that I would consider to be my stable to watch out for, it's Team Taz. I think 2021 is going to be a big year for them. Oh, Even definitely. with their dumb fake belt. <laughs> I would like to see the dumb fake belt get some kind of recognition, like actually get some contenders. Yeah, if, if someone actually was allowed to challenge for it, it might get recognized. Yeah, it's let me challenge for on Dark, I believe. Like, twice? Even then, isn't it just awarded by who Taz thinks deserves it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so it'll never leave Team Taz. Our next stable is 440. Uh, fuck Ohio. Fuck Ohio. Fuck 440. These guys have done an incredible job of pulling that classic heel stable heat, though. You absolutely hate them every time they show Everyone up. Everyone <laughs> hates them. Even people from Ohio hate them. <laughs> like, let alone Ricky Shane Page showing up to a bunch of shows unannounced and just not defending his title at all. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, so, like, and, like, 440 does what Bullet Club wishes it could do. And yeah. it doesn't... Like, it does it so much better. Like, it's basically the same thing. And, you know, Bullet Club and 440, kind of the same, like, tactics and everything like that. Yep. And 440 just does it better. Like, we talked a little bit on the previous podcast with Best Match Club. About how, like... Match Club the, Pod. I'm bad at this. <laughs> About how, um, like, the cleaner gimmick doesn't work as well over in the States because the viewers are too used to it. They know what to expect and where it's going. Mm -hmm. So you could say the same thing extended, like, Bullet Club, because Bullet Club is the typical Americans as they're viewed. So 440 did definitely run with that and change it up so they're just completely hated by Americans while right. doing the same thing. <laughs> For being from Ohio. Yeah. People really don't like Ohio. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> so. Oh, we still have to talk about LIJ. LIJ. Yeah, no, they've been like front and center through all of New Japan this year. Like I said before with uh, talking about Naito. The whole thing with Evil leaving and joining Bullet Club. And the effect that had on the rest of the members. And how they drew together which is unusual for that group because usually it you're usually you're in lij like more in name only than anything you'll tag with them you'll go, be at ringside every once in a while but a lot of times people just run around by their by themselves so to pull them together and make this really interesting story of betrayal and finding your footing after that has been so cool Right, loss, friendship, betrayal, all those sorts of, like, really classic story elements. 
mm-hmm. being able to weave that together has been really fun to watch. So, with <coughs> with all that in mind, sorry, I just inhaled some fucking powder. The runners up are. Sorry, you're doing this. Yeah, the runners up are Los Ingobernables de Japón. And the winners. The winner is 440. Uh, I hate them so much, and that's why they have to win. There's exactly. no, like, he, the, the amount of just hatred that everyone has for them. Ricky Shane Payne showing up bringing his belt, not defending it, and then still squashing the guy anyway. Yeah, like, the perfect example, actually, is the match he had with Orange Cassidy at the Collective. Mm-hmm. Where he just walked out at the start of the show, doing whatever he wants. He squashed, like, three guys, including Danhausen. And then Orange comes out, and 4-4 was just involved the entire match. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, Exactly. And they do such a good job of making you hate them that there's no way they couldn't be the best stable. Aaron, are all of the stables that we picked heel stables? Uh, heels, heels. Yeah, I think we have a thing for heel stables. <laughs> I mean... Heel stables are just more interesting. LIJ's tweener. Are there? The Nightmare family. Yeah, they wouldn't win. No, they didn't even... They, I thought about that and they... Explicitly didn't didn't make them. What other babyface stables are there? Maybe Chaos is kind of babyface in New Japan. Yeah. Undisputed Era. I haven't watched any NXT, so I wouldn't know. Newt New Day is. I'd consider New Day more of a tag team than a stable. They're more of like a freebird situation there. Like, we definitely included. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so, our next category is Best Match Singles. We have our first nominee, Sunny Kiss versus Cody, on that one episode of Dynamite for the TNT tag. For the TNT title. Molly McCoy versus Still Life with Apricots and Pears at Polyam Party 2. Sunny Kids versus Cassandra El Exotico at Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Mox versus Kingston at Full Gear. And Naito versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. So. This was a hard list to pick and make. <laughs> yes. I think Sunny Kids versus Cody was a very exciting match to watch because it showed, like, a Sunny Kiss. He's someone to really watch out for. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that match raised her stock level, like, from here to here. Yeah. A lot and of people know a lot more about Sunny Kiss now. It made so much more. It, it, it like, and this is generally speaking true of Cody's title defense, right? It made what they were doing both with the belt and for those performers more legitimate. You know, adding legitimacy is something that you should strive to do with with 
with your newly established TV title. Yeah. And they did that. They did it very well. And they and with matches like Sonny Kiss versus Cody that did that like cemented it. Mm-hmm. Like if you think back, we made fun of the TNT title when it came out. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty legit now. It was also an ugly belt when it first came out. Yeah, they've had since had it cleaned up and everything. But you know what? He defended that ugly belt. Yeah, until Brody Lee destroyed it. Thankfully, <laughs> thank you, Brody Lee. <laughs> thank you, Exalted One. Um, so the next match on here is Molly McCoy versus Still Life at Polyam Party Two. Uh, <laughs> Erica has already pointed out in chat the Still Life match had live auctions mm-hmm. as they destroyed canvases that I assume they got from Michaels in like the three for five bucks. Oh, definitely. Um, so the fact that they live auctioned broken pieces of canvas and actually collected the money. They made some money off yeah. that. Yeah. Good for them, you know? Art some people sell-, sell merch, some people smash canvases and call it art. Exactly. <laughs> that was it was just a very fun match at a very fun pay-per-view. Pay-per-view event. What do you want to call it? It was live on Twitch, so it was free, so it's a free for view. <laughs> it was an event. Okay, yes. That card had some very good matches. I enjoyed Jody winning the match despite not being able to see. Yep. And then but, going on to the main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly versus Still Life was definitely one of my favorite matches from that whole thing, though. Yeah, like, even beyond the canvases being smashed, like, the hockey helmet bit, just Molly and Still Life mm-hmm. being themselves in this environment. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. Uh, speaking of being yourselves in this environment, Sunny Kiss versus Cassandra El Exotico at the Big Gay Brunch. Uh, this match is probably the only wrestling match I've watched this year that's actually made me cry. I'll confirm that. Um, it was just... There was a lot of like meaning to this match that I can't really put into words in a way that's all that meaningful other than just that it meant a lot to have that kind of match between those two people in particular Mm -hmm. on a stage that was as big as the collective weekend was yeah just like especially for us i feel seeing two people who bend and play with gender in non-mainstream ways mm-hmm. is something that we really gravitated towards and to see the like not just the reaction of the crowd to a good wrestling match seeing the acceptance of the crowd of two great performers was very emotional yes it was uh then speaking of emotions oh my god my heart Mox versus Kingston at Full Gear just was so emotionally devastating because you knew Eddie Kingston wasn't going to win that match. Yep. I hoped beyond hope that maybe he would win and they'd do something else with Kenny, but there was just no way it was happening. No. It wasn't it wasn't Kingston's time. And him saying I quit was legitimately heartbreaking. 
It was just a really incredible match to watch. Uh, and then Naito versus Okada, Wrestle Kingdom Night Two. I mean, That's right. <laughs> this match is the reason why Naito made best singles wrestler. Like, if we're being honest. Yeah, honestly, if this match didn't happen and wasn't as good as it was, then we probably wouldn't have the rest of the year with Lij. Mm-hmm. Like it really did kick it off. It cemented Naito as someone who legitimately should be watched mm-hmm. for this year. I mean, like Naito's always been good. Yeah, but this was in in a sense this was his year, and this is the match that said this is my year. Even if it did take place almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, we're what, 17 days, I think, from Wrestle Kingdom 2021? Something like that? Probably. Yeah. And like, it's like. It's what? the first weekend of January. Yeah. Okay, so the first weekend of January is technically the second, which is in exactly two weeks. Okay, so it's the second weekend of January. <laughs> So it's on the 9th and 10th? Is that? Oh, yeah, it is. I, so I believe so, yeah. Nice. It'll also be at, like, 5 in the morning here, so I'm not waking up for it. I don't know. Hey, Erica, do you want to wake up to watch Wrestle Kingdom? <laughs> oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> so, the runners-up are... John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for their match at full gear, because, as I said, that match was Deeply heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's, it's not just that match. It was all the promos leading up to it. It was like the three weeks of Kingston calling out Mox where he just didn't respond. Mm-hmm. Just the whole thing was beautifully put together. And the winner. Drum roll sound effect. I dropped my. No, I dropped my envelope. <laughs> The winner is Sunny Kiss versus Cassandra El Exotico at Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Aaron, if you'd like to talk, I need to go under my desk to grab something. That's fine. Yeah, no, this was not only a wonderful match by two wonderful performers, it was, at least for us, a deeply emotional ride. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, seeing these two on this stage with the acceptance and the love they receive. But, like, also for the fact that, you know, Sunny Kiss wouldn't be in the same position were it not for the groundwork that was laid by Cassandro going through all of those, like, deeply homophobic, deeply, like, transphobic Mm -hmm. promotions and proving that queer people are still very talented wrestlers despite what your dumb homophobic mouth keeps saying yeah well it it was a and it was just wonderful storytelling of the original to the current and i'm gonna start crying if i talk about it also cassandra can still work like oh definitely it's very very impressive next category aaron's favorite Best match tag. And the nominees are Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks from Revolution. Best Friends versus Proud and the Powerful Street Fight from that random dynamite. 
<laughs> Oreo Speedwagon versus Devontes and Jet Jagori from Things That Go Bump in the Night, Camp the Ring. Frog. Things That Go Bump in the Ring, Camp Leapfrog. Team Pazuzu versus Next Gen at Joey Janela's Spring Break in October for. And Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee versus Jushin Thunder Liger and Naoki Sano from Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Did you say Liger? Probably. <laughs> I, I always end up saying that. I don't know why. Okay, that's okay. So, um, what? I swear, I, what? I heard an old WCW announcer say that and it's stuck in my head since. <laughs> okay, that's fair. What else could we say about Hangman and Omega versus the Young Bucks? How many stars did it get? Like, I think it wasn't seven. It was like six and a half. Yeah, it was a lot of stars. And not only that, like the parallels between that and the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks mm -hmm. and how those stories were playing out at the same time in AEW as well. The emotional, like, pain of getting hit by the golden trigger and then kicking out at one. Kenny broke his hand at that. <laughs> yeah, he legitimately broke his hand in a very Viggo Mortensen breaking his foot-esque display of emotion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, like, even on top of that, Revolution was, like, the last big event we had before lockdown started. Mm -hmm. So this one really does just sit in your mind after that. Was the Royal Rumble had a crowd, right? Yeah, that was in January. Oh, okay. Yeah, Revolution was February. And then Double or Nothing was April, I believe. Uh, time doesn't matter anymore. I know. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Oreo Speedwagon versus Devontae's and Jet Jaggery was a very fun match. It really showed off the talent that Oreo Speedwagon have, mm -hmm. particularly because they wrestled in uh, Sailor Moon costumes. <laughs> and they loved it. They had a blast. <laughs> it was so much fun to watch them. Like, uh, you know, it. it's also just genuinely heartening to see the fact that, you know, you have Xavier Faraday out there wearing a dress because he wants to support Wavera and, like, how, you know, they, they have that whole, like, really wholesome friendship going on that I appreciate a lot. Um, and then also Devontae's and Judge Jaggery, former Crucible members. Mm-hmm. Getting some ring time, being able to see them again, because that, that there's just it was just a fun match. And then yeah. they had to kiss a foot. <laughs> or smell a foot. Yep. Cause this was the trick-or-treat smell my feet match. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and they built a, a story for it in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it it's beautifully put together. It was geniusly worked. I just love it completely. Also, we skipped over one. Oh, so we did. Best <laughs> friends versus proud and powerful for the street fight that won random dynamite about Sue's car. Yep, this was a culmination of 
a lot of harassment by proud and powerful yeah it shows that like you know not that i have anything against the inner circle because i think the inner circle has done a lot of good i think the inner circle has helped actually i have one thing against the inner circle two things yeah jake and hager (laughs) i knew that was coming um but that aside you know the fact is that the inner circle did a lot for aew to establish them oh yeah they were a Um, great legitimate heel faction when mm -hmm. there was nothing else going on in the storylines but having santana and ortiz work alone getting to see proud and powerful have their moments by themselves yes really fun and orange cassidy popping out of the trunk really fun hilarious i honestly didn't expect it so actually technically i think proud and powerful have made this list twice Technically, yes, they because have. Because they were also, Santana and Ortiz also wrestled as part of Team Pazuzu versus Next Generation at George Hill's Spring Break 4. Yeah, they were on Team Pazuzu with the dirty daddy, Chris Dickinson. Mm-hmm. That was just a really fun match. I mean, like, you have a guy basically getting worked for three quarters of the match. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to watch. And he kept going, like, yeah, as hell. It was a good way to, like, kind of do, like, there. The, the collective weekend had a lot of, like, symbolic moments, and I think this was another one of those symbolic moments. Yeah. Speaking of symbolism, though, Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee versus Jushin Thunder Liger and Noki Sano. Yeah, this was the second to last match that Liger had. Uh, this was his last match. Oh, he wasn't on... Right, that was the... The, the trios match was on night one. Yeah. Then there right. was this match on night two. And then he had his retirement ceremony the next day. Yeah. So yeah, this was his last match? <laughs> it was... He Spoiler alert, he lost. Of, of course, you always go out on your back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to see team of Jushin Liger and Naoko... Naoki Sano. I said it right the first time. Dang it. Uh, do, do you want me to? Okay. Naoki. Nao- Naoki. Naoki. Sano. Sano. Naoki Sano. You're really Americanizing it. I really am. I am really sorry about this. <laughs> do you want me to just, do you want to leave the Japanese names to me? No, because I got to get them right eventually. So yeah, it, it was very much like the passing of the torch match here of the old super juniors into like the new generation of Mm -hmm. main eventing super juniors with Hiromu and Ryu Lee. Absolutely. And it worked so well. And like getting to see Jushin Thunder Liger actually wrestle two nights in a row and put on a really good show was something very special. Cause like, you know, he, had, he doesn't wrestle that, or didn't wrestle that much anymore. Excuse no. me. No, he, he'd been winding down, you know, mm-hmm. as you do. And, you know, it's he, he said something like he didn't want people to say, 
there's a there's a specific Japanese word for it that's kind of like it, it spiritually translates to you still got it. Mm hmm. Because that means you're old and people don't expect you to have it. Yep. And Liger wanted to end his career with people knowing he never lost it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a important decision to make. I respect the hell out of it. And also, you know, it's not like he's gone. He still does commentary. Yeah, he's, he's still fully in character. Like, he has the legal permission to use the character going forward. Kind of like uh, El Santo did. Like, always wearing the mask, even in public, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's going to be a part of the wrestling role for the rest of his life. He just won't be active in ring because he doesn't want to be that old guy who's still got it. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be a Ric Flair or a Terry Funk or you know, the, the guys who keep coming back time and time again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so. The runner-up is Hiromu Takahashi in Ryu Elite versus Jushin Thunder Liger and go ahead, Kat. Naoki Sano. Thank you. <laughs> Do you okay, real quick. The vowels in English order. Ready? Ah. Ah. Eh. Eh. That was too Canadian. Eh. <laughs> eh. E. E. Uh. Uh. Oh. Oh. Not oh. 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 <laughs> Cut off the. Like, we'll do Japanese lessons later. <laughs> so like, now my tongue is very North American. He, if you could do Italian vowels, you could do Japanese vowels. I don't think I can do Italian vowels. Italian vowels and Japanese vowels are the same phonemes. It's really useful. Um, anyway. Anyway, like we said, this was just such a culturally important match. Mm-hmm. And also a good match. Yeah. The winner? The best match of the year, however, was Hangman Adam Page and Omega taking on the Young Bucks at Revolution. Nothing was going to beat this. I'm sorry. No. There's no way that any tag match from this year beat this. And there were some close ones. But this was a combination of deeply moving emotional storytelling. The Even after the match, it still kept going as being just incredible with that mm -hmm. moment of Hangman setting up for a buckshot. Yeah, that was like I've gone back and watched it now three or four times just for that one part. And it's like it always takes forever to get to those five seconds. Oh my god, time stops. Yeah. And this is one of those things like this is where BTE stuff really came in good. Mm -hmm. Because after this, they filmed a segment of the Bucks and Kenny in the back getting iced up. And you see Kenny's broken hand and his shoulder and everything. And Hangman's not there. So, you know, even despite this amazing match they just put on and put all of their heart and soul into, Hangman is still off by himself somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
because at the end of the day, Kenny picks his friends over his tag partner. Mm-hmm. When really all Hangman wants is friends. Yeah. Friends who value him for his contributions rather than for being a warm body. But yep. It just, it worked so well. Our next category. Best match, multi-person. The first nominee. The Stadium Stampede from Double or Nothing. The Twink Gauntlet from Effie's Big Gay Brunch. The Casino Ladder Match, also from Double or Nothing. The Bucks and FTR versus The Butcher and the Blade and The Lucha Bros. And Team Wrestle Factory versus Team Crucible at Torneo Cibernetico 2020. Oh, goodness. What a list. <laughs> right? Like, the Stadium Stampede was the moment that the world needed. Not just the wrestling world. Yeah. But the world in general needed something weird and funny and completely off the walls in a way that was really enjoyable. And that's what the Stadium Stampede gave us. I mean, Matt Hardy getting drowned and then coming back as his different personas. <laughs> and, and Ortiz apparently being able to see the text boxes. <laughs> yes. The very, like, the fourth wall breaks, the Matt facts, the getting locked in a freezer, Sammy taking a one-winged angel off of the... Oh god, I'm still scared watching that one. Uh, there's a there's a crash bag underneath there. Oh, I, I know there is, but like, it's still a long drop. Yeah, but there was no danger. Um, the moonsault off of the uprights. Mm -hmm. The northern light suplexes for a hundred yards. <laughs> like Hangman and... riding in on a horse. Oh god, yeah. Uh, the moment of reconciliation that he and Kenny had for that brief period when he, Kenny drank the milk and Hangman had the whiskey. And you think they're going to be okay, at least just for a second. Yeah, Sammy being chased by the god. There's just so many moments from that. And it came at a time where everyone was like really, really, really stressed out, really yeah. tense. And having a moment of like pure escapism and pure fantasy was so good for everyone. It just, yeah. like, the amount of emotional release that came from watching that was exactly what the world needed at the time. We laughed so hard for the, what was it, 45, 50 minutes? Yeah, Jericho attacking the mascot <laughs> and challenging the referee's decision on a pin. Yep. Um, just, I thought they were going to switch it right there. So many things. It's just so funny oh my god like literally everyone played their part perfectly for that mm -hmm. um the twink gauntlet again it, just a lot of fun just a lot of fun the fact that you know you have clearly not a twink in the twink gauntlet <laughs> and it becomes a who can take him out challenge and the definition of twink that they used where it would encompass, like, you can bring in Perot, you can bring in Molly McCoy. Right. We respect and stand she-they twinks. You can bring in Tony Deppin for a spot, even though I'm pretty sure he's straight. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it, it just, it worked so well. Also, Tony Deppin's two sizes too small speedo. <laughs> it was so funny and so good. I loved it. The casino ladder match was another one like that, where, you know, having Orange Cassidy there doing his Orange Cassidy thing, like mm-hmm. the Renaissance or Baroque, I guess it's more Baroque paintings that it, Renaissance paintings were all straight lines focused on one person. Baroque paintings have a lot more action. So it's more of a Baroque painting. Sorry. <laughs> Art nerd. I'm a nerd about a lot of things, Aaron. Just it's let's okay. move on. It's okay. We've a long time without a tangent. Uh, it just, it worked. And it was a lot of fun. And Orange Cassidy, like... On the fallen ladder. Mm-hmm. And the introduction of that to um Brian Cage coming in from injury with mm-hmm. a new contract. The beginning of Team Taz. Yep. And the targeting of Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. Which has been a good ongoing storyline. Yeah. We're still seeing that evolve. Mm-hmm. Um and then the Bucks and FTR versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers at Fighter Fest was another one that was a lot of fun. Hi, Emma. How are you? Okay. I have... I've made it well known. I hate eight-man plugs tags. <laughs> Especially 14-man tags. <laughs> oh, my God. Or was it 12? I don't remember. It was 12 because... Um... Right. Because Wardlow had a thing come up. Uh-huh. Um, But this match was... The good eight-man tag, by which shows all others are bad. <laughs> yes. And, like, it, you know, I, I appreciate the way that 2020 has helped evolve the characters for the Butcher and the Blade, because they're not just, like, silent, nameless henchmen's. Yeah, they're not just being paid to be out there. Like, they're part of a stable with Kingston. and They're part formerly, of his family. Yep. Same with the Lucha Brute. Oh, wait, never mind. No, that one's evolved. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was just... That's a the, the, the instance of Aaron admitting that eight-man tag matches are good. Can be good. Are good. Can be are good. good. Can are be good. good. Can be good. Can be good, Tuna. <laughs> Tuna's not good. <laughs> Chickpea tune is pretty good. Anyway. Yeah, it is. And then Team Wrestle Factory versus Team Crucible at Torneo Cibernetico. I mean, Crucible Rules match, the betrayal at the end where Whisper betrays Ophidian after having been like, I don't know, a BDSM slave or something. They don't make it clear. It it was a very tense relationship from like day one between Whisper and Ophidian. Mm-hmm. And you just see or that. Or Ophidian 2 and Ophidian 1. And to, to see that come to a head in such an important match mm-hmm. in Chikara's calendar, where Chikara loses. Uh-huh. So technically the Crucible was in charge of stuff then. Mm-hmm. And then the unique play on the rules of the Cybernetical match, where there's only one winner despite being two teams. So the team that wins has to keep going until one person is left. Mm-hmm. And and having everyone bow down before Ophidian and jump out of the ring. Yep. To demonstrate their loyalty and then BAM! Last second betrayal. Like he had one foot off 
and just pivoted. And I was like, yes! But also, no! <laughs> so, our runners up. Team Wrestle Factory versus Team Crucible. As we mentioned, this was just like... It, it was a match that worked exactly the way it needed to. Yeah, it told a wonderful story that I still desperately want to see fulfilled. It's something that I want... I, I wish they, they could find a way to circle back and finish out the story. Yeah. But at the same time, I respect Ophidian's decision to retire for himself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I know all of them have kind of moved on to different things now, and it's... As you have to. You know, you should. However, you should absolutely be watching Tuesdays at 8, the Lullaby Lounge on twitch.tv slash Nix. Yeah. You can see where the music for the Crucible's promos came from. Kate wrote all of the music and also starred in the Crucible mini-series thing that they did. Mm-hmm. And the winner is... The Stadium Stampede! I mean, the Stadium Stampede was the match that the world needed and came at the right time and was the perfect... I mean, we got Emma to watch the Stadium Stampede with us. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was was something like, here is this completely off-the-wall irreverent irreverent match but it's hilarious and you're going to kind of get an idea of what's going on uh emma that was the one where they were in the football stadium and they like they drowned a guy in the pool and chris jericho challenged the referee's decision there was a horse that was there was a horse that was ridden into the stadium you definitely watched it that was the really weird match, yes. yes. <laughs> so, oh, and to go back to Aitsu, what about a 12-man match? Yeah, there was a 12-man tag match on Dynamite this week. Didn't, make, was, the, didn't make the list. It was a 12-man tag match. Next category. <laughs> the best new to you. The nominees are Anna J, Boomer Hatfield, Molly McCoy, Still Life with Apricots and Pears, and the whisper. So this is a list of four Shikara kids and Anna J. Yeah. So what this is, instead of like a rookie of the year, because there's no way we can know every rookie that comes out, but we will know new people every year. So this is who has left the biggest impression on us throughout the year. Mm-hmm. That we didn't know back in 2019. I mean, like Anna J wasn't wrestling back in 2019. Didn't she have one or two matches, or was it all this year? It was all this year. All oh during the gosh. lockdown period. She's literally never traveled. She, uh, she was... traveled to Memphis for Did a she? weekend, an indie weekend, and then back to Atlanta. But, like, that's the extent of it, because I listened to the AW Unrestricted with okay. her on. Yeah, like, I know she basically was a trainee at QT school. And then got a match on Dork and then dropped the extra Y from her name after getting made fun of for it. (laughs) And then joined the Dark Order and became probably my second favorite member of the Dark Order. Easily. 
So, you know, being able to compete with silver is... Although I, I also appreciate the fact that she's the first one to corpse in every single one of their segments. <laughs> totally. But, and besides that, her in-ring work lies about how long she's been doing this. Absolutely. She's so quick to soak up every piece of advice she gets and put it into practice. Speaking of people who soaked up things and put things into practice and learned from, you know, veterans, Boomer. Boomer Hatfield, who doesn't rank into this one, but last year beat up his dad. It, yeah, it doesn't count in this. But that, that said, I watched that match for the first time this year, and that match was yeah. incredible. Getting to see, like, the way that he and Molly have developed their characters. And then the fact that, like, literally a weekend later, they participated in King of Trios. As a trio. <laughs> it was so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. It was very good. But yeah, seeing him come into Morphazone on Action Arcade and as a tag team on the indies, the times that we have been able to see him, he is just so good. Mm -hmm. He knows where he can throw himself, how he can interact, and... There's a reason he calls himself the pop fly in Lucha Baseball. That yep. said, his match against the Crucible where he goes for a pin? Hilarious. Because yep. <laughs> he was wrestling a Crucible rules match, which is the match lasts no more than two minutes. There's no pins. Either you knock them out, or they're unable to continue, um, or you throw them out of the ring. Yeah. And he goes for a pin. Yep, because that's his training. Mm -hmm. He is a professional wrestler. He's not a crucible fighter. Um, and then having, you know, his counterpoint in Molly and being able to see how, like, they've grown this year as well. Yes. Yeah, they've, they've put in a lot of work and done a lot of wrestling with a lot of people at a lot of events. And, like, I, I'm glad to see Molly is out there more. I literally, like, wear my Molly McCoy shirt more than most of my other wrestling shirts. It's fair enough. And, like, I'm a Devils fan, and I'm wearing Flyers colors. <laughs> That's really saying something. <laughs> um, Still Life is just incredible yeah the first time i saw them just something clicked where it's like they're going for big mm -hmm. they are someone to be noticed they have a date with destiny yes and it'll be a gay date yeah <laughs> uh and then like it, there's also you know a lot of like Outside of the ring, you know, there's, like, cool little things that, like, you know, having a trans wrestler who's just starting her hormone replacements and everything like that is <laughs> also cool. Um, okay, can we talk about that real quick? About yeah. Their match at the Collective with Dark Sheik? Yeah. Those chops hurt me. <laughs> yes! Oh, my God. It's like, oh, God, she just started hormones, and, oh, that hurts. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just, like, you know, been on hormones for maybe a year, uh, and then getting chopped in the tit. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> um, And then similarly with The Whisper, you know, like, just the way that we've been able to watch 
you know, th that that little that I don't know that Whisper's done all that much since. No, Whisper has been able to do a whole lot through lockdown, but he was pivotal in the Crucible storyline. Absolutely pivotal. He's in kept the himself line. like in in vision through social media, mm -hmm. and yeah, just, he left a mark on me. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing, because these are the Morkies. Hey. Okay. okay. So the runner-up is... Molly McCoy. She's one gritty gal. Yep. I, you know, anyone who respects gritty that much is a good person to have on your side. <laughs> and the winner... Our winner is... Anna J. Number 99. How could I go with anyone else, really? Yeah, no. Right? Like, just everything that Anna J. has done, including acting as a comedic foil, and, like, just everything about Anna J. has been good. Like, pulling in Stu to those segments on BT, like, the character Stu Grayson is just stoic badass. Which is fine. But Stoic Badass, who's afraid of a 20-something-year-old girl. Is hilarious. Because <laughs> she throws him around like nothing. And then, like, like we said, her in-ring work has only gotten better since her first match with uh, Hikaru Shida. Yeah, she just keeps getting better and literally has... Nothing but upside. Yeah. It's a clear choice for the winner. I'm very interested to see in 2021 if uh, touring becomes a thing again. Like, if they're able to extensively, how that ends up affecting her. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, because she hasn't toured extensively. No. We'll see how that goes, but I hope that it, that that life works for her and she continues to succeed. Next category! Best promo. Eddie Kingston versus a bag of Sour Patch Kids on BTE. I double-clicked. Jericho and Matt Hardy, Broken Matt arrives in AEW. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley for the in-ring lead-up to Full Gear. Kevin Owens' post-WrestleMania promo. And Darby Allen's silent promos on various dynamites. What a list. Yeah, no, like... We might be Eddie Kingston fans. <laughs> really? He's only been on this list three Four times. Four times now? Three, t three times. Okay. I think Sonny Kiss has been on three times as well. We've also talked about The Crucible twice now. A bunch. Um, anyway So yeah, Eddie Kingston versus the bag of Sour Patch Kids The man can cut a promo on literally anything Literally That was his stick for two weeks um, Jericho and Hardy Cutting that promo against each other In ring With the weird editing because it was an empty arena And everything like that Yeah, Just making full use of the space They had 
right and the limitations that it brought with it but also the advantages it brings and i think that's the thing that matt hardy has that other wrestlers don't is an understanding of how to use your environment in ways that are advantageous yes the dilapidated boat the football stadium attached to daly's place Mm -hmm. you know all of those things that like also the fact that wrestling twitter (laughs) didn't know what a laugh mic was yeah that that was funny to see yeah um eddie kingston versus john moxley in the in-ring lead up to full gear i've talked about this on the show before but like the visual of mox looming over eddie kingston's shoulder telling him you're not fucking good enough for this yeah all the anxieties that he dropped on him. The devil on his, you know, Moxley playing the devil on Eddie Kingston's shoulder while Eddie Kingston tries to play the tough guy and, like, speaking to every single one of Eddie Kingston's deepest fears mm-hmm. in such a way that was, like, really genuinely compelling storytelling for a five-minute segment. And deeply personal. Right? Like, talking about his his mother... To use Eddie Kingston's <laughs> accent for a moment. Your mother's table where I said grace. Oh my god. Eddie Kingston deserves to be the world's champion. He will be. I honestly believe that he will be. Even if AEW point. has to add a title belt that's called the world's championship. It'll have more clout than the uh, FTW belt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, Kevin Owens cutting that promo post-Mania was also really good, because, like, you know, Kevin Owens going unscripted. Yeah, it was very intense, like, right after a very intense match with Seth Rollins. Getting to have that WrestleMania moment in the weirdest WrestleMania ever. Yeah, just, you gotta keep forging ahead, you gotta do it yourself. And just the raw emotional output afterwards. And, you know, Kevin Owens is a talker. Like, yep. He's another guy like Kingston who can cut a promo on almost anything. And not as well as Kingston. Not as well as Kingston, but very well. Very and good. only only like maybe two percent of the time do you hear a little bit of Quebecois come out. <laughs> as opposed to some other Quebecois wrestlers. <laughs> I mean Stu just sounds like a Quebecois. He really does. Literally all the time. I should show you his old cooking videos. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and Darby Allen. The silent promos, like... When they had that whole gimmick where his throat was damaged and he couldn't talk, and he just started presenting these art house pieces. Evocative, effective, and silent. Yes. There's so many people who can't get their point across in words... So to be able to get your point across without that in a much harder medium is just mind-blowing. Absolutely impressive and incredible to watch. So kudos for that. That's why you've won a nomination. Speaking of which, our runner-up... Darby Allen's silent promos. Yep. It's, you know, a very worthy... First loser, in this case. 
it was really good yeah no he he has a very he has a lot of talent for this kind of thing Mm -hmm. and our winner eddie kingston and john moxley i could talk about this promo i could talk about the five minutes of that promo for a full hour we almost did (laughs) like just the depth of storytelling that the composition of the camera angles and the shots and everything like that, like the way that they composed those like vignettes that happen in the different cameras that they choose, like the camera team at AEW did an incredible job of like framing things in such a way that like you, I, you could really write an entire thesis about cinematography on that. Yeah, definitely. And like, you could take a still from any moment in that, and it would sell the match. Mm-hmm. Like you tell these two are are going to have a match, and there's just so much intensity between them that entire time. Like it's almost exhausting to watch. These two are gonna kill each other. Yeah. On Saturday. And they look like they mean it. Yeah. Uh, you would believe that they're going to. Okay, are we ready for the next category? I think we're ready for the next category, which is best Best merch. (laughs) Aaron, would you like to read the nominees? I would. Starting off with Dark Chic for Butt Stuff T-shirt. So Dark Chic Chic sells a T-shirt that just says Butt Stuff on it in big yellow letters (laughs) on a black T-shirt and wears it as a crop top. When she comes out to the ring. And I love that. It's so good. It's so good. Danhausen with his whole merch empire. Danhausen's the first indie wrestler to get his stuff in Hot Topic. Yeah. What what more do you need to say about that? The Bullet Club and the Young Bucks got popular because they were in Hot Topic. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just such an extensive collection. Like, there was a Halloween mask. <laughs> yep. Dark Order, specifically the shooting gallery shirt. That's just a very cute shirt. It is, and it tied in really well to the storyline of Paige and the Dark Order and how they're working to bring him in. But, so, like, in a nice way. They're not an evil yeah. cult. They're just... Spooky perverts. <laughs> uh, Kenny Omega with Redcon 1 V-Trigger flavored pre-workout powder. How's it taste? Well, funny you should ask. Let's give it a try. <laughs> I've got a scoop. I'm going to drop it in my water. I'm going to stir it up. And Aaron, would you like to, while I try this, announce the last nominee? And our last nominee is Cameo. Which has been really an indispensable resource for a lot of, not just indie, but like signed wrestlers through this whole thing where work has been not as forthcoming 
That's a face you're making. I didn't do it. Okay, two. <laughs> for everyone's, just for everyone, I filled the scoop up to about here. That's still a lot of caffeine for cat. Yeah, no. We'll you... just stay up till four. It's okay. I, I, I'm off for an entire week. I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> but more to the point, I'm also just not going to drink all of this. This is going to sit over here while I drink out of my regular water bottle. It tastes too sweet. And too not sweet in like you? a kind of way. It's very much in the way Kenny likes his candy sweet. It... has ruined the flavor of water for me. Oh no! <laughs> My water tastes like lavender. Interesting. Looking at you, lavender. <laughs> that is an unexpected... <laughs> Like that time? A little bit. This Okay, Red Bull has enough citric acid to cut the sweetness. This does not. Yeah. If I put, like, maybe half a lemon in there, it would be good. I think you did that the first time, didn't you? I did. And I've done it every time since then. This isn't yeah, my first time sense. having it. But I wanted to have it without the stream in it. Yeah, we wanted to make sure she wouldn't throw up on stream with it. <laughs> okay, next... So, the runner-up is Cameo. Just being a resource for wrestlers to interact with fans and get some of, like, the the uh, meet-and-greet money that they aren't seeing right now right. so they can afford it's... to have shelter and clothing and food. <laughs> it's been indispensable for wrestlers as a methodology of maintaining their income in a year where they can't perform and like cameo being what it is is probably the best thing that's happened in a year where a lot of bad stuff has happened to indie and small wrestlers having the ability to do cameos is probably one of the biggest and most important things that they could have gained access to this year so having a cameo out there is very good but there can be winner. only one winner. Who is Danhausen? Very nice, very evil. Yes, Danhausen wins for his merch empire. You will, you will submit to Danhausen. I mean, okay, but we have to talk about it first. Everything you own, you put in your will to Danhausen. <laughs> Now, he has been on a tear this year selling merchandise, which is great considering he's been up in Canada for a whole lot of it. Yeah, like, not able to leave Canada, because if he left Canada, he wouldn't be allowed back in. Yeah, or it, if he gets in through his partner, then he stops a quarantine for two weeks, so that's two weeks he can't do anything. It's specifically his wife. They are married. Okay. So I like, wasn't sure. Yeah, no, he, he. It's just because he's not a Canadian citizen. Yes. It's difficult for him to get back in. Like there, there's a process by which he could have done it, but nobody cares about the Canadian border except for you, me, Emma, 
Yeah. So, next category. Happiest in-ring moment. Our first nominee. Sheeta versus Nyla Rose. I found my kendo stick, bitch. <laughs> Very funny moment. A classic in a tremendous match. I think about it just every once in a while. I just start laughing. It was a fun match. <laughs> Next. Asuka finds out that Becky Lynch is pregnant. This moment was probably the most pure in-ring joy. Yes, because we honestly aren't sure if Asuka knew beforehand and was acting it or like legitimately broke character here for a second. But either way, the way that she like pregnant, that her face lights up like very, very extremely happy and then she remembers Oh no, I'm supposed to be a character, and then puts on the voice. Yeah. Like so special. Yamero! And all those other anime sounds that are Japanese words. Um <laughs> Just like the way that she takes the character from someone who's really happy for their coworker back to wait, I have to be happy for my coworker in character. Otherwise, I'm going to get yelled at when I get back to the gorilla position. <laughs> it was, it's such a pure, joyful moment. Our next nominee. Cutler's first win until he got insufferable. <laughs> I mean, like, Cutler winning for the first time was just a very good moment. It, we followed it, like, start to finish. And all the highs and lows and the heartbreak and... The heart attack of some of those matches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then he got insufferable about it. Yeah, I know. He's like up to six now. He won't show up about it or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Six wins, Brandon Cutler. <laughs> What's your 2020 record there, Brandon? <laughs> I should have found that insufferable. I think it's hilarious, but I like this right out. <laughs> uh, the next one. Mandy Rose helps Otis against Sonya Deville and Dolphin Ziggler. And then love. This was very fun because it was like the only WWE storyline I actually followed this year. It's the only WWE storyline that was worth following. Yeah, it was so well written. It was so well paced. There was ups and downs and heartbreak and betrayal tension. and tension. And... Oh, gosh. And they had a cute little moment. Yeah. When Manny comes out and... Gets gets through the Sonya Deville factor in the match, and Otis manages to beat Ziggler, and they walk off, and Otis is carrying her, and it's gorgeous, and it's very cute. It. And last, the reunion brawl before the stadium stampede. This is disqualified for not actually taking place in a ring. Yeah. So but, we only really have four contenders for this one. Yes. Hangman running in, like, full tilt, sprinting down a football field. In cowboy boots. Very impressive. <laughs> so, the first runner-up. Asuka finds out that Becky Lynch is pregnant. Yep. Munchies is live. Holy heck. There's a new episode of Unsound Theories to listen to after this. 
Oh, dang. Good job, Emma. I'm proud of you. I'm still proud of you, honey. Hey, what's up, sluts? It's me, Flopjaw, the shittiest Muppet. I'm here to talk to you about a very important subject. That subject is a podcast that I'm on. It's called Unsound Theories. Well, gee, Flopjaw, what's Unsound Theories? Well, Cat, it's good that you asked. I was about to tell you, but I needed to wait for you to ask first. Unsound Theory is a podcast where, well, Kat here, and also Kira, that's me. They watch a movie, but they don't use any sound or subtitles to watch the movie, so they have no fucking idea what the fuck is going on. And then they talk about what they think it was about. Well, gee, Flopjaw, that sure sounds like a lot of fun. Where can I find this podcast? You can find it literally wherever you get a goddamn podcast. Just search for fucking Unsound Theories. Make sure to smoke a lot of cigarettes when you listen, but don't actually do that, because it'll make your voice sound like mine. Find Unsound Theories wherever podcasts are sold. plug the heck out of that afterwards and the winner mandy rose helps otis against sonia deville and dolphin ziggler easily like i said this was the only wwe storyline i really pay attention to this year because it it was just so well done oh my god you drank it again stop yes. drinking it no i'm gonna put lemon in it okay like uh, and then, you know, at the start of the pandemic when WWE released people, of course, they released the writer who did this. Mm-hmm. And so now Otis will never do anything again. Except go back to the Performance Center. Uh, he doesn't need to go to the Performance Center. Like, yes, everyone can use a tune-up once in a while, but he plays Otis so well. You just don't know how to use him, you idiots. Yeah. I put too much lemon in. Don't put more powder in. I just don't have any beverage left and I'm thirsty because we've been talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> okay, fair. I'm going to enjoy this water then. Okay. And now... So anyway, our final award before we get to the honorable <laughs> mentions. The most engaging storyline. Our first nominee is Cody's Open Challenge for the TNT title. Like we said earlier, this cemented the fact that the TNT title was something valuable. Legitimate. Legitimate. And, like, it... It was something that can bring people into view. Like, we already nominated the Sunny Kiss match. There was also... It got us Ricky Starks. It got Warhorse on national television. Yep. It got... Um... Private Party in into a much better light. Mm-hmm. It just did a lot for a lot of people. Like, it's how you utilize a belt. It shows effectively how you utilize a mid-card belt effectively. Yep. You know, you use how it to, to legitimize talent. your talent rather than to slap it on someone and then let it sit. Yeah. And then at the end of it, with Brody Lee coming in with a three-minute squash match. 
on a special edition of Dynamite mm-hmm. and just brutalizing the entire Nightmare family. It's just like, yes, that's what this build up to. This was the payoff. Yeah. It worked. And then so the well. payoff of the dog collar match at the end of that. That totally wasn't a dog collar. <laughs> no, that was a kink collar. Yeah, the, the but belt yeah, got no, that belt got yeah. Starks and Kingston both hired. That that's what you do with gold. Mm-hmm. Or a, in that case, like only. It was silver at the time. Platinum. Yeah. But next nominee was the Crucible takes down Chikara. I literally I took out the parenthetical so you don't have <laughs> yeah, to read that. Yeah, I, I I was wondering if you did. Starring Ophidian, Kate Nix, Xavier Faraday, and a whole cast of others. So. It was very detailed, very carefully written, and very well executed, and then completely... Yeah, so, um, the storyline of The Crucible takes down Chikara. I originally had a parenthetical. Uh, what was the exact text of the parenthetical? But not literally, Mike did that on his own. Yeah, but not literally, Mike Quackenbush did that on his own. Um, having that storyline be an essential part of what made 2020 Chikara good was really important and like you know it was a good storyline regardless of the fact that it ended three years prematurely and And you know Xavier Faraday delayed his in-ring debut for an entire year to build this story to film it himself to edit it himself like they didn't get, they didn't get paid at all for this. They yeah. did this story purely for the love of it. Yeah. And it's just full of soul and heart and blood and sweat and tears. They didn't even have like a stipend from Chikara to make it happen. Yeah. They paid for all of the stuff that they had to do for it out of pocket. They got to use the Wrestle Factory. For after filming, hours. but like it had to be after hours and everything like that. It, it was an incredible storyline. Yeah. Winner gets that, the girl. Otis and Mandy versus Dolph Ziggler and so you know, we just so use his full name. Dolphin Ziggler. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we just talked about this. Like name, this Erica. was such a great draw and so moving that. Yeah, how could it not be on this? Like we said, it pulled us into a WWE storyline. And that's hard to do. Like yeah, right now, the, the closest thing would be maybe this tribal chief Roman Reigns thing. I'm not even sure how that's going now, though, because I haven't paid attention to it. <laughs> At, like, Undisputed Era's got a pretty okay storyline going right now. Yeah, I- I've heard a few things bounce around with them. But, like, you know, there's only so much... Adam Colt baby that you can handle. <laughs> uh, the next nominee is mutually destructive BFFs, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. I mean, we literally did an entire episode talking about Kenny Omega. Yep. His storyline's incredible. Can't we say can't much. can't say enough about it, really. But I also can't say much more than we've already said on yeah. the last episode where uh, until it picks up more with Paige, like we hope it will. Yeah, th- this one, this one's kind of like been played out. Mm-hmm. And our last nominee 
the race, race to, to one win. Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler. Yeah, like I said, when we nominated Cutler before, it's like this grabbed our attention. We sat along with it. And even afterwards, the hatred and tension between them is just so much. It worked so well. The <laughs> loser must win match. <laughs> Which makes no sense. Their tag team together, like every part of their story was really engaging for it, it was the it was the draw for me to watch Dark for a while. Yeah. And even for that final match, like after they've had a count out and a double disqualification, all that. That final match where Justin Roberts and Mike, oh, for God's sakes, someone's going to win this match. And at the end, the winner of this match, the man who won this match. It was very funny. Oh, no, I went backwards. Oh, no. Yeah. And the BT media scrum with Tony K saying someone's going to win this stupid thing. It was very funny. And it was a very compelling story. So, our runner-up is the race to one, Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler, for everything we just said. Basically, yeah. And, Aaron, would you and like the to winner think? is... The Crucible takes down Chikara. But not literally, because Mike did that on his own. Yeah. This storyline was so good, WWE stole it. And then butchered it. Yeah, as they do. So, in recognition of the really effective telling of that story, the Crucible taking down Shakura has to be the winner for most engaging storyline because it's so Definitely. engaging that they stole it. Yep. And you know, kudos to the team who developed that story, who acted in that story. Who made it believable. They did a hell of a lot for basically telling a television quality story with no budget and on an indie promotion. Yep. With it a bunch of new good. wrestlers, too. Yeah, a bunch of untested people. A lot of people yeah. prove themselves in Crucible matches. <laughs> from Aitsu. It was so engaging. I didn't watch it, but I was invested just from talking about it with Aaron. Yeah. I know both of us were so into this. Mm -hmm. And we were both so heated when Raw Underground showed up. Oh my god, I'm still fucking angry about that. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to our honorable mentions. Let's do this. I spelled honorable correctly. Yay! I appreciate this. Okay, well, I'll take the first one, you take the second one, I'll take the third one. Yep. Okay. The first honorable mention. Best van base storyline. The Suze... <laughs> Shut up, Google. <sighs> Best van base storyline. The Suze Van Saga. Yep. Best car-based storyline, Mox stealing the Ford. Best truck-based storyline, FTR and the Butcher and the Blade over that truck. 
Best rebranding a very good professional wrestler. Best mass heel turn. The Chikara kids starting to swear. <laughs> Best random sponsorship. The Savage Gentleman Victor Benjamin and Butterfinger. Most fighting spirit. Hiromu Takahashi. Least happy moment. It's a tie between the Iconics and the New Day breaking up. Not breaking up. Being broken up. Being broken up. Physically. Because the Iconics lost a loser has to break up match. Yeah. And the New Day got drafted into different uh, shows. Biggest simp, Austin Gum for Hikaru Shida. <laughs> the Spare Rib Award for taking the best ribbing. Taz. Honores Imbo Kota Ibushi for his 25-hour day. <laughs> Best shoot heat. The Iron Sheik versus Caillou. Caillou is the jabroni of the earth. <laughs> this is a new, this is a relatively recent thing, but Iron Sheik on Twitter has been screaming about how much he hates Caillou for like four <laughs> days. I think he's been babysitting. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Each day there's something more. Do 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 do. Caillou. Oh no! I didn't animate it. The best joke we never mentioned on the show. Spicy steel. Oh no. There's a whole list to get through still. <laughs> okay. Okay, best spontaneous chant. He's gonna try. Orange Cassidy. He's gonna try. He's gonna try. Best cult leader. MV, the Polyam King Young. Sorry, Brody Lee, you lost. Yeah, no, we, we, we gotta stand by the Polly King. The Dead Man Award for causing the most corpses. John, Meat Man, Mustard Boy, Silver. Do you think if they ever do a show in Quebec, he'll become the Smoked Meat Man? I hope so, more than anything now. <laughs> that would be so good! <laughs> also, I miss Smoked Meat Sandwiches. Yeah, that's fair. Most Intercontinental Championships won per contiguous reign. Sami Zayn. <laughs> For his two wins of the Intercontinental Championship, despite never having lost. Yep. Best Wrestling Fan Podcast. Marking out with my girlfriend. Nope! Match Club what? Podcast. Oh. I gotcha. <laughs> I changed it. <laughs> okay that's fair I really do like their podcast and yes the best in joke we never mentioned in the show is Spicy Steel because we never had a chance to mention it okay so the, the whole joke here is that they say that the ring apron is the hardest part of the ring yep. despite the fact that like the actual exposed metal part of the turnbuckles still exists as part of the ring? Yeah, because that metal that they use for that is a mild steel. So if the stuff on the apron is worse, then it's definitely got to be spicy steel. So it's spicy steel. And that's the whole joke. <laughs> we just never got to tell it on the show. Nope. So <laughs> that is it. Thank you all for joining us for this first annual Marquis Award. 
Thank you again, all of you, for joining us. That is the end of our presentation. What a year it's been. <clears throat> what a year it's been. What? Let's hope next year is a little bit better. At least not worse. Yeah. Now, thank you all for joining us, but we must bid you adieu. As such, I'll say that thing. Aaron, should I say the thing? No, don't say the thing. No? Have they earned no. the thing? I don't know. I got, we kind of did all the work for the past two hours. That's true. I don't know. Maybe hey, I Kat? should say the thing. Yeah? Cat? Hey, say the thing. Okay. I must bid you adieu, so I will say... Be gay. Mwah. And do crimes. Bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Hello everyone and welcome to the first annual Marcademy Awards. Aaron had no say in how this PowerPoint was designed, so blame me for everything. I honestly think I probably would have tried to nix most of it, but we'll see. <laughs> the award that we will be presenting tonight is the Oscar. I, I already veto this. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you were going to hate it. I told <laughs> Absolutely knew you were going to hate it. <laughs>